Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and our full spoiler review for Jedi Survivor. So, spoilers ahead. We will be diving into this headfirst, and, uh, you know, we have a group of people, of course, uh, so willing and uh, kind to join us uh, on the podcast today, uh, which we will introduce in just a moment. Uh, but uh, a quick uh, word of caution, yeah, if you have not played the full game yet, you know, maybe stop this now uh but if you don't care about being spoiled and hopefully we've waited long enough uh hopefully you're good to go so uh let's get into it child when they sent you off to war. Now look at you. The weight of a galaxy on your shoulders. Didn't I tell you to be more careful about who you scan? Come on. I cannot tell you who you must become or where the line is drawn. There are no easy choices. These are dark times. We have few allies. Good to see you, Gal. The odds are against us. And they will always be against us. Our destinies are intertwined. But I can tell you this. If there is any hope of surviving, we must stand against the darkness. Jedi Survivor came out on next-gen platforms and PC April 28th this past year, uh, not too long ago, and uh, thankfully we got a few friends joining us in the podcast today, so uh, first up, I'll introduce uh, Ben. Welcome back, sir. Be back, finally. It's been a, it's been a minute. Yeah, definitely. It's been a minute. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I can't remember uh, what, uh, just so, uh, you know, long-term listeners might recognize your voice. Uh, what was the last episode that you were on? Because uh, I can't remember. 
I don't remember the name of the episode or the number, but it was uh, one of your quizzes. I want to say right before Christmas. Okay, maybe like yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. The ultimate Star Wars trivia. Yeah. Okay. One of those. Yeah. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Awesome. All right, and uh, Dan, welcome back. It's been a it's been a little bit as well. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What was the last episode that you were on? Uh, it was the Mandalorian review, um, season three. It was like the third to last episode, I believe. Right. Okay. Third to last. Okay. Yep. Yep. Sounds about right. Uh, well, welcome back. And uh, Kirk, hello, sir. Hello, hello. It's good to be back. Yeah, good to have you back. It's been uh, well, it's been too long since since we did one of these together. <laughs> so, hello. I think uh, yeah, I think the last one was the uh, one of the final episodes of Mandalorian season three. But I definitely remember the quiz from last year because that was an iconic ending to that episode <laughs> with the with the with the winner and everything. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was that was pretty funny. Uh, actually, I was going to ask you about that um, because uh, I know we, I know we talked about another giveaway at some point and, uh, you know, maybe we can uh, we don't have anything to announce yet, but maybe we can chat about it after because um, I think I asked you about it once, but whatever the case is. Um, yeah, welcome back, dude. Um, and, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be chatting about uh, Jedi Survivor uh, today. Uh, so um, yeah, I think all of you guys just like first, 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 you know, initial kind of hands up in the room here. Did everyone finish the game? Or, uh, you know, you're, you're not gonna be put on a timeout for not having finished the game. But you know, just curious here. Did everyone finish it? Yes, and uh, I'm ashamed to say, so I'm, I'm on parental leave, and uh, basically means I'm getting paid to uh, stay at home with my baby, uh, and my baby sleeps all day, and so I have nothing to do but to sit there and make sure my baby's sleeping safely, and uh, I may or may not have played all 27 hours of this game in four days. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Solid. Four, four seven-hour stretches. <laughs> Nice, nice. What about you, Dan? You you finish all of it? I I finished it yesterday. Yesterday or the day before yesterday, uh, just in time for the podcast. Sweet. And I was gonna say, uh, don't be ashamed of playing games with the baby. Like I got so much gaming done when my when my son was born, just holding a baby in one arm and the controller in the other arm. It was great. I feel so just rejuvenated hearing that. So thank you. <laughs> so justified enjoy enjoy this time because you get to just focus on playing games and once the kid starts crawling then it's a whole different story <laughs> i'll remember that weirdly you're making this stage of life sound so much more uh enjoyable <laughs> we'll take it offline but yes it is great yeah <laughs> uh kirk what do you, you finish the game i assume yeah yeah, I, I did finish it. Nothing, uh, nothing as exciting as uh, you, you, you guys' experiences. But I finished it. I probably got it on day two when it came out and finished it within, again, probably four or five days. And I had to because my entire social media feed is all it's just Star Wars. It's just Star Wars and camera stuff. So right. I was getting I was getting spoilers uh, on like the second or third day oh, on my feed, man, and just like having to quickly go past them. Brutal. Yeah. So I I had to. Yeah, I had to rush through the story uh, and get it done as quickly as possible because that's also like I don't play too many games. I was most interested in the Star Wars story, and it was also like it was great. So, mm. uh, yeah, I finished it pretty uh, pretty early on. 
Right. Yeah. No, it, it's so tricky, you know, keeping up with all these Star Wars stories. You know, it's so easy to get spoiled if you're not on it, like day one kind of thing. So I know a lot of the episodes for Mandalorian and this and that, like I will just wait for the midnight release, you know, in our Pacific Standard Time over here in the, in the West Coast of North America. And uh, we'll just wait for that midnight release and I'll just watch it right away just so that the next day I kind of peace of mind. If I go onto the Internet, you know, some stupid YouTube thumbnail is not just going to ruin it for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's what that's what did it for me. Uh, I'm not I won't get into it just yet, but like there was a thumbnail that popped up and I was like, wait, hang on. Why is that coming up so, so early? And I'm like halfway through the game and then I was like, no way. And then throughout the rest of the game, I'm just expecting something to happen because I saw this thumbnail. But oh, I don't know how man. people do it in Europe because I don't I, I don't think in Disney, um, Disney Plus is available in, in some parts of Europe just yet. But obviously everyone is there's lots of Star Wars fans there. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they obviously would get spoilers and stuff for TV shows as soon as they come out. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, we all have kind of different angles of, of the perspective of how we played this game. Uh, so just off the bat, uh, show of hands, you know, which platform you were using when you played this game. Uh, me personally was PC. Uh, Kirk? I was on a Xbox Series X. Uh, so, so, yeah, yep, tall, sweet. the taller black one. Yeah, so, <laughs> sounds good. Ben? Uh, I played it on the PlayStation 5. Alrighty, And Dan? PlayStation 5. All right, two PlayStation fives, Xbox, and a PC. All right, sweet, awesome. We're covering. We're covered. <laughs> we're completely covered here. Which and Josh, yeah, I'm so sorry. You had to play it on the PC. <laughs> yeah, I heard it buggy. It was. It was. It was difficult. You know, it was. Uh, it was a trial. <laughs> I mean, it, there's nothing worse than like you're in the heat of the moment, and then the game just crashes for some uh, unreal engine error that that just clearly is just not a very good port and uh you know this is a game which has like save spots and you know you got to like find those little force essence areas where you have to save the game and you know if you go too far without meditating then uh you're hooped so yeah i definitely had a bit of a fight with certain areas um specifically sandy sandy bits where sand is everywhere and yeah, it was uh, it was a very crashy, very crashy game at times. So I just flipped it over to story mode at one point because I was so frustrated, and uh, that way I could just kind of speed run the parts that I'd done like three times already. And yeah, that was uh, that was my experience for like a good chunk of the game. But uh, I am rocking pretty solid hardware, so it's not my computer, everybody. Uh, it was definitely uh, just the the port. So um, actually, Ben, maybe you can explain kind of how that works for anyone who doesn't know why uh, the PC version is known to suck sometimes. Yeah, so this game was made specifically for the PlayStation 5. And so the PlayStation 5, just the way the graphic cards design, the processor, the RAM, it's got its own specific setup and design. It was made to run optimally uh, on the PlayStation 5. And if you actually go and look up stability reviews, um, like the PlayStation 5 in performance mode runs almost perfectly at 60 throughout most of the game. As soon as you flip it over to the Xbox, it still runs well, but it definitely drops to like 45 frames a second, then back to 60. So it's it's less stable, uh, but it still runs well. And then as soon as you jump to PC, 
Uh, they basically had to port this game to the PC, but they didn't optimize it very well. Uh, and this is very typical of games that are made for consoles and moved to PC because the PC market is very difficult to optimize a game for. Uh, it's much easier to just build the game from the ground up for PC because there's so many different graphics cards. So you're, you're essentially trying to make this game capable of running on tons of different specifications. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, that is that is why the PlayStation Five. You you've definitely got the best experience. I, I I own a PC. I own an Xbox Series X and a PlayStation Five. And I actually, when a game comes out, I will look up which console or PC it was made for, and then that's the one I'll buy it for. And this game, it was it was PlayStation Five. So gotcha. Thank you, thank you for that. Um, yeah, a lot of people might not know how that how that works. So since the uh, since the games come out, you know, numerous patches have hit. Um, probably all platforms at this point to imply, you know, uh, implement patches and, and kind of make the game a bit more stable. Uh, admittedly, I've not picked it up since uh, finishing the story mode because I went on vacation for a little while and, you know, got back and then just hadn't picked it up yet. So it's been a little bit since I've, um, since I've uh, actually played any bit of the game to refresh my memory. But uh, going through all my notes yesterday as I was trying to come up with some things to, to talk about for this podcast episode, you know, it was kind of looking at all these articles online, kind of jogged my memory about certain things. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, this game, the story of Cal Kestis continues uh, with this sequel. Uh, it is a third person action adventure um, galaxy spanning game uh, from Respawn Entertainment developed in collaboration with Lucasfilm Games. This narratively driven single-player title picks up five years after the events of Jedi Fallen Order and follows Cal's increasingly desperate fight as the galaxy descends further into darkness. Pushed to the edges of the galaxy by the Empire, Cal will find himself surrounded by new threats uh, and familiar ones. As one of the last surviving Jedi Knights, Cal is driven to make a stand during the galaxy's darkest times. But how far is he willing to go to protect himself, his crew, and the legacy of the Jedi Order? Um, so that was a, that was the synopsis there. And uh, this game has six playable planets, including Coruscant, Kobo, Jeddah, uh, a shattered moon, which is uh, kind of the, the mining facility space station, uh, a place called Nova Garen, which is a space station, and a planet called Tanalor, which is sort of a, a key planet in, in uh, the plot of the story. Um, I, I forget how many planets were in fallen order, but I don't think it was too many more than, than six, uh, six or seven, maybe playable locations. Um, but, um, did anyone, maybe we can just kind of start with you, Ben, and kind of go down the list. But, um, uh, did you, um, did you find that, uh, you liked this game better than the first one or, or did you like the first one better? Uh, yeah, so the the game, like the actual gameplay was definitely better in this one. It was a lot more refined. Uh, you know, somehow they found this cool way to have like a leveling system where you unlock ability points to improve your abilities, but you never felt underpowered without them and you never felt overpowered with them. Mm-hmm. So I thought it just it did a way better job kind of making you feel like you were progressing towards something but you still had a lightsaber from like the start of the game, which was awesome. Um, the story was significantly richer too. Like, I don't know. I, I, I get moved emotionally by like good music and good story. 
Um, and this, like, this was just a phenomenal story. Like there was betrayal, right? Romance, like it, it ticked all the boxes for, I think what makes a good story. So this one definitely just took all the things that I loved about the first game and just made it better. Nice. So definitely preferred this one. Uh, well said. Uh, what about you, Dan? How did you find this one compared to the last one in the series? This game was 100% better. Um, the first one, I liked it, but I struggled to get through it. Uh, this one, like like everything that was said before, like the story was better, the characters were more engaging, um, the gameplay was better. Um, like you, I had to switch it down to story mode. I was struggling at the beginning of the game enjoying it because I just kept dying and like, it was frustrating playing through the same level over and over again. So like, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to switch it to story mode, see how it goes. And then I enjoyed the game much more. Cause like, I guess I was more into the puzzles than the story versus like the combat. Mm, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it just, it's, it was a fun game. And there's like, like you said, like with the betrayal and stuff, there's moments where I was like, Oh my God, like I'm so pissed at this guy. I want to get back at him. And like, you just, the characters draw you in. Yeah. I love the mixing the, Clone War stuff with the getting into like you know the Yavin years and then also seeing some of the High Republic stuff which I'm not really familiar with so that was really interesting to me. Yeah, um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Definitely awesome. Um, and Kirk, what do you what do you like about this one compared to the last one? Yeah, definitely everything echoing what Ben and Dan said. I absolutely love this game. I think it would really built on the first one. Um, the story was the biggest part for me that I loved. I, I think. Personally, I think it's probably the best Star Wars story that we've gotten post uh, post kind of sequel era or just even including the sequels. Like probably the second favorite for me is, is Mandalorian. But yeah, it had everything that I wanted in a story and uh, I was really excited to see these characters get back together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, In terms of gameplay, I loved how you didn't reset. So like you didn't lose all your skills that you kind of learnt uh, in, the, in the previous game. Like if you maxed out all your, all your skills. So it's not like... Cal just forgot everything. Um, but then it also felt like there were tons more things to learn and and to achieve and in terms of skills for the character, but also just in terms of playability. Um, I really love the different ways that you could uh, customize, you know, what lightsaber and, and weapon setup that you had too. So I felt like by the end of the game, the character was very much like what I would feel like I would be as a Jedi in, in this galaxy, like how I would set things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And I, I did play on the mode just above story mode for the entire game, right up until the last fight where it was five o'clock in the morning. And I just wanted to know how the story ended. And I tried and tried at this final boss and I just like gave up and I put it back to story <laughs> mode. But uh, yeah, apart from that, yeah, I love this game so much. And I think uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing it through again. But the story for me was definitely, uh, definitely the highlight. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very, uh, that's, a, that's a great point. Cause this, this game, you know, unlike some, Star Wars games, which do tend to come out and might not have a story to it. You know, you see so many kind of mobile games and uh, games over the years where they, they just really haven't had a whole lot of narrative to it. Uh, it is kind of a big pillar in Star Wars gaming, this this particular title, because, uh, you know, like, like you all were saying, like, uh, you know, we haven't had too many stories come out since the sequels, which are kind of, they act as like a large cinematic scale stories 
but then on top of all that, we haven't really had a whole lot of canon narrative games at all. I mean, there's been uh, the campaign in Battlefront 2. We've had the campaign in Star Wars Squadrons. We've had Jedi Fallen Order, and now we've had this game. And uh, aside from the VR games, which are very kind of small, short story, uh, canon story experiences, which I I wouldn't count as kind of a cinematic point of view, I think it's just the forum, unless I'm leaving one out. Um, But yeah, this was, this was, it's kind of crazy to think that like in 10 years since Disney's owned the Star Wars license and EA's had the exclusivity of, of the Star Wars license that we've only had four kind of pillar story narrative driven games uh, as time's gone by. So, you know, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, next year when we get Ubisoft's uh, Star Wars Outlaws, because that's a very story narrative game as well. But um, it was very, it's very different. And this one is very kind of centered on, on a Jedi kind of trying to find his way in the, in the, in the dark times, which is, uh, uh, you know, a period of time in which all the, all the Jedi are pretty much wiped out from, from the purge you know, Darth Vader and his Inquisitors are hunting them all down. And this game takes place during the same year that Obi-Wan Kenobi takes place, uh, which if anyone has seen that show on Disney+, Plus, uh, it's kind of at the halfway point between episodes three and four and uh, takes place after Solo by a couple of years as well. So, uh, but before Star Wars Rebels. So it's this very kind of central time, the very kind of bottom point of the dark times. So for me, it was like I was really excited to see just kind of where they would take that tone. Um, and like what you were saying, Ben, like, you know, you get just, you, all the boxes ticked, you know, the, the betrayal, the romance, the uh, the friendships, like the the real like feelings that you get kind of when you watch a Star Wars movie kind of make their um, presence felt in in the narrative of this story. So uh, it was a very, very well written um uh, campaign uh, and you know just makes all the characters so much greater than than they were the last time around so um yeah and uh, to what you said dan the high republic that plays a huge part in this game as well so um the first game had a very tomb raider style element with uh cal uncovering the mysteries of an ancient civilization of Force-sensitive people, uh, a civilization once known as the Zepho. Um, and that kind of element remains um, very, uh, shall we say, part of the personality of this game series. But instead of just con- continuing on with the Zepho, uh, that story narrative has been replaced with a similar but not nearly as ancient time period uh, being in the High Republic. And all it has to offer the story, including some characters and places and planets that, uh, you know, Cal rediscovers Jedi temples and space stations and worlds where there was once effort on behalf of the Jedi and the Republic to expand in the Outer Rim. And uh, it was a very nice touch to this game because, you know, considering that the High Republic is kind of being this ongoing current in, uh, story initiative uh, in many respects, uh, you know, it plays tribute to that very well. And, uh, you know, definitely uh, for some people could have been their first time experience seeing what that era was like. And I know, Dan, that was, you mentioned it earlier to me uh, today about that. Uh, did you want to kind of like talk about, you know, you'd heard about High Republic before, but this was your first time really seeing kind of what that era must have been like. Like, how did that intrigue you when you were playing this game? I I loved it. Like I I know of the High Republic, but I didn't. You know, I've just seen like images and like book covers, and 
some panels from comics, but I didn't really know anything about it other than it's like the start of the Jedi Order and stuff. So this being an introduction to me, like it really grabbed me and I was like, oh, okay, this is getting a taste of it, seeing like the old droid, seeing the older technology. Like I thought it was really cool and I wanted to know more. And like, to me, this is like my gateway drug into that part of the Star Wars universe. I want to start reading the comics now, maybe start reading some of the books and just finding out more about these characters. Yeah. Yeah. In that era. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Kirk, did you have a, a similar experience with that when you, you came across, uh, characters like, uh, Dagan and, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the droid, I'm forgetting her name. Uh, <laughs> the crazy loopy one. Z. Z. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. 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 What was, uh, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, this was my first experience with any type of High Republic lore, and I really, I really enjoyed it. And I think um, I can't remember who said it before, but I think there was a really great connection between like the prequels to the original trilogy and even this newer High Republic era as well. And I think this quite fits in with that new timeline that's been going around as well. That was I think shared in Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, but I thought all the characters were great, and I think for me at least, it provides me a better understanding of, I guess, from Dagon Guerra's perspective of how the Jedi went from these, you know, uh, wise and willful and less involved type of uh, people and, and community to where they kind of ended up in, uh, where we see them in the Clone Wars and the prequels, where they're more kind of soldiers of of the Republic and everything. So uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought the characters were great. And um with Dagon Guerra's character, I, I honestly felt throughout the whole story that it was going to end like six at six different points. I'm like, oh, is that it? That that's the end of the story. But like, it kept it kept on unfolding with these characters, and maybe it was because I was playing so late in the night, and I really wanted to get to the end of the story because I was so keen to hear what happened. Um, but uh, yeah, they were all really good, and uh, I'm quite keen to actually get into some of the books now uh, mm -hmm. and learn more about this era because I think it's it was quite well written and just visually seeing, especially through the flashbacks and everything, uh, it, it did provide a quite an interest, interesting story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. The, so uh, the higher public has, um, you know, it's, they're kind of wrapping up or they're midway through the, the second phase, which acts as a prequel phase to phase one. The entire multimedia project was uh, announced in three phases uh, the first one being complete, the second one ending this year, and the third one starting this fall and ending next year, uh, leading up into the live-action Disney Plus show called The Acolyte. Um, and in there is somewhere in that kind of phase of time between all these three phases of, of stories of, of you know filled with comics and audiobooks and novels, uh, this uh, game features flashback events uh, to somewhere in that time period and you know as time goes by maybe they'll kind of put a, an exact placement for it uh, but I can confirm it is set somewhere between phases one and uh, three uh, ignoring the events of two because that is a uh, it's kind of weirdly numbered that way uh, two is actually takes place before phases one and three because it's a backstory um, so it does fit kind of somewhere um, you know after the the the, the early to mid halfway point, I guess, in the, the narrative that they've been doing in the, in the novels and such, because the Nile were m mentioned in at some point in the game, uh, a very brief mention, uh, the Nile actually attacked the temple being set up on a planet called Tanalor. And I was waiting for the Nile to be mentioned. 
this like the entire game until we got that and then i start freaking out on my in my chair because i was like yes uh all those books definitely paid off and you know, for like the split second that they even talked about it now i know what they talk about uh so yeah reward that was, you for was, being like an ultra nerd yeah i know right it's just like that, that 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 three seconds of gratifying like goodness that you know what a character is talking about you know like hey, after what, hours of reading <laughs> that's what grabbed me because like i beat the game and i'm like wait a minute who the hell were those guys that showed up and attacked the planet? They didn't explain that. So I Googled it and I'm like, okay, there's a much bigger backstory here. And it, and it sounded really cool. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you want to go into them a little bit to, to explain to everybody? I can. Yeah. Um, I'll keep it pretty brief because there is so much. And, um, you know, in short, uh, the high Republic era is basically a time of peace. It's in the, in the Republic as, as we know from, uh, the Phantom Menace, Mace Windu says that the Sith haven't been around, you know, the, in, in, in a millennia, or, or Ki-Adi Mundi says it or somebody. And so the Sith are not exactly the villains of the story. Um, and so when, when the story writers kind of got together to try and find an antagonist to fight against the Republic and the Jedi, um, I guess the idea or the concept of having these sort of space Viking style kind of piratey people uh, were almost like ravagers sort of thing. They, they, they sort of like came to, to, to light, I guess, within the story. And uh, they refer to themselves as the Nihil. Um, and uh, they have certain technologies and certain secrets, which I won't reveal just yet, um, which allow them to traverse, travel through hyperspace uh, in a very... A unique way unknown to the Jedi or to the, to the Republic, because at this time, uh, outer space, like the outer rim and hyperspace lanes and stuff, are all still being being mapped out. Uh, which there are a lot of kind of more mainstream routes, but uh, kind of the idea of going to a place with a Navi computer that could just calculate the quickest route possible is is not exactly a I guess a common thing at this point in time. And uh, the Nihil have their ways of doing things. So they're able to sneak around the galaxy, essentially, without the Republic being able to, to monitor them or, or track them down or whatever. So they, they pose a very great threat because they, they act like terrorists. They go in and they, they bomb up a place or they, you know, steal all they can and, you know, they'll kill anybody that they see. And, uh, you know, they pretty much just kind of uh, split the loot and they have a whole hierarchy of power going on within their organization. And there's one guy up at the top named uh, uh, Markion Rowe. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's like a whole thing. So, um, yeah, they, they, they essentially kind of make their debut in the story at the very first book of Phase 1, which, uh, you know, takes place after Phase 2, which is the backstory. Um, and that book is called Light of the Jedi. So that might be a really great kind of uh, intro to anyone who wants to experience, like, stories with the Nihil and, and uh, kind of explore more with, with them coming into the story at some point. Uh, that's a great way to, to uh, kind of get into it. Uh, check out Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. And uh, the story kind of goes on from there. So, yeah, that's, that's essentially a, a kind of quick explan explanation there. Uh, Nile, High Republic stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a, a number of characters that make their return to this game. You know, all the main core group from, uh, from the first game. And uh, this game it does follow the events of the novel Jedi Battle Scars, which uh, myself and AJ actually talked about on the podcast uh, just about a week ago. 
Uh, we did the full review on that novel. And that is uh, a really nice tie-in story to the events of this game. They explain how Grease uh, lost his arm because uh, now he's got a cybernetic arm and all that stuff. Uh, and some other things, some other things that kind of play into why these characters are separated at the beginning of the story. Um, and, you know, because there is a time jump and everything, like, you know, it's kind of nice to have some connective tissue there. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll just go down a list of kind of nine-ish characters here, which uh, maybe we can just kind of do a little bit of spotlight on. Um, so, uh, or maybe 10 characters here. So uh, first up is the Ninth Inquisitor. I thought this person was dead, uh, but this is the first boss that you fight in the game. The Night Sister has kind of been, I guess maybe she didn't die in the first place on Kashyyyk, uh, but she comes back. Uh, was was anyone else here surprised that she showed up or or was it just me because like I thought for sure she was just gonna be gone and uh, you know then she pops her ugly head up again and I'm like oh great I gotta gotta kill this person again um, um, how for- the ninth sister returned yeah <laughs> yeah I, I also want to ask you just called her a night sister was that intentional Oh, no, sorry. Ninth sister. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the number yeah. nine. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I, I don't know. I guess I didn't, I, I didn't think too much about it. So I, I wasn't like thinking, oh, there's not going to be any more Inquisitors. So when she popped up, I was like, oh, it's her. But I didn't, I don't know. My, my thinking stopped, I think, after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, there was another character who showed up called uh, Ravis. And Ravis was an interesting one because in the canon so far, we haven't yet seen uh, any character of this particular alien species. But in the old EU, specifically the 2D Clone Wars series, we did see a character very, very much like this, uh, known as Dirge, the bounty hunter. Uh, and Ravis is uh, of the same species. Uh, he is made up of all these kind of tentacly kind of worm things and uh, basically lives uh, forever. So <laughs> so it was cool to, to see uh, one of his own kind of make their appearance in a, in a game like this. And he's part of a group called the Bedlam Raiders who kind of play a large role in the story. Uh, and uh, he's working side by side with the main villain, uh, who is known as Dagon Gera. But um, Ravis was a cool boss to fight. Did anyone have anything to say on Ravis? This guy was the most annoying character for me to fight. And I heard him say the line, I've been waiting for this day for 200 years, about like 30 times <laughs> because I fought <laughs> him so often. But I guess that's what makes him a really cool character. Uh, I think, uh, it, he, can he not die or something? Is that is that what the the theory is with him or well, not the theory like, like well he, he did just, die though like he just he just grows up oh sorry not 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 die yeah. but like he regenerates really they're, easily they're, yes yeah they so the species is called the gendai and they're extremely difficult to kill uh very very difficult uh it, it, uh, if anyone's seen the 2d clone wars animated series like the micro series from cartoon network back in the day before the 3d the clone wars came out uh dirge was like a bounty hunter who he wore a mask and stuff, whereas Ravis doesn't exactly wear a mask, but uh, Dirge had this big, huge kind of blue uh, markings on his chest, and he had these giant guns, and Obi-Wan Kenobi fights him in this, like, super badass, like, clone trooper, you know, suit with his cape and everything like that. He was awesome. Uh, but, yeah, his, his species hasn't really been... It's a very rare species, and, like, not a lot is known about them. So it was really neat to kind of see this character 
be of that species because uh, you know it just kind of marked a new yeah a new new age for the canon to kind of you know establish like a look and a visual presence and all that of of their their kind so that was that was pretty sweet I, th- I thought he was really cool I liked his character and like even though he was a bad guy like he kind of he wasn't like just strictly evil like he kind of had a like a code of honor and like he was just kind of bound to to the other guy to like helping him out and everything because he I, I think he saved him or something mm-hmm. yeah 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 I, I agree he was it was kind of like the way i felt about like thanos like when i first yeah. saw him, I was like oh great just another big bad guy but i was like oh no he actually like has it's his own twisted sense of ethics but he believes in something and i was like okay i'm actually more interested in him now so right. yeah he was he was a cool character in the game yeah it's a really it's a really good way of making a villain a certain way and writing a story a certain way without having some weird loopholes as to question like oh why didn't he just do this like you know if you if a character is established that they've got like a code of a code of honor essentially like you know for for at least what they do then uh it's easier to kind of kind of recognize like oh that's why he didn't just straight up kill him in this moment or like whatever you know stuff like that so yeah it was it was a cool character um, Eno Cordova, uh, who is a, a Jedi, um, showed up again in this game, and uh, he is the Jedi Master who once trained Seer, uh, Seer Junda, uh, and uh, the initial caretaker of BD-1. Uh, he was in Jedi Fallen Order quite a lot, but mostly in hologram recordings, and he is a Jedi Master known for kind of researching a lot of old civilizations and He's got a thing with ancient artifacts and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, like uh, full spoiler alerts for, you know, and again, anyone who hasn't played this game, um, there was a lot of deaths in this game. Uh, so I was very surprised when this character uh, died. I thought for sure maybe they would, he would make it at least another game. Uh, but that was pretty cool to actually kind of see him pop up. You're like surprised to see him and then boom, he's dead. So <laughs> it was, did anyone... Um, kind of get that moment where an no popped up and you're like, Oh, Hey, I know him. Or, or was it, was it just me? Yeah. I mean, I like, I read the comics that um, came out as a prequel to Jedi uh, fallen order. So you got to see a lot more of him as like a, a Jedi master, but he was younger and Seer was like just a, like a Padawan. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was cool. Like I felt like, because I'd kind of like how you felt with, uh, um, you know, the Nile, you know, you, you felt like you had some like familiarity, some backstory. There was like a, you know, there was more in you about this character, about these species. I felt like, oh man, like I know who this guy is. Like I've gotten to see him more than just recordings. And then yeah, when he gets shot, I was like, like I felt in my gut, I was like, that hurt to watch. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. We got to talk about that twist. Like I, I saw the twist coming, but even though I knew it was going to come and it wasn't spoiled for me, I just like, I had a gut feeling that we're talking about Bode, like Bode. Yeah. Bode like he was going to be a bad yeah. guy, but like when it happened, my jaw still dropped. I was like, Oh damn it. I didn't want it to happen, but I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. The, yeah. You did better than I did. I did not see it coming. I, I didn't see it coming <laughs> either. Like I was like, Oh, this, this, this guy be, is like, you uh, know, yeah. I, I, I was like, I liked like, him. Like, a lot. I'm like, I'm like oh, he's like, buddy buddy he has a daughter i'm like he's gonna betray him because he's gonna protect his daughter and it's like and i didn't want it i didn't want it to happen and when it did i was like damn it but it made that scene so like emotional i'm like 
when you're chasing yeah. after him in the in the speeder bike, I was like, oh, I'm so pissed. I want to get him now. Like, so uh, that, that was a good emotional moment in the game, and I enjoyed the fact that that part was different from all the like that was the only time you're riding a vehicle and you're like chasing after somebody and it's like it was a good story moment that broke up the the gameplay mm, yeah. i thought so there's an even bigger twist that comes after that because i thought that was like the twist right but uh so for you know for anyone who's who doesn't care we spoil it this character first introduces uh you uh, to bode akuna as a as a gun for, a gun for hire and he likes fighting back against the Empire and stuff. Um, so, you know, the, the big betrayal happens. He's actually, like, you know, he shoots Eno Cordova and gets away. And you chase him down. It turns out that he's actually a Jedi who survived the Purge. And he's, like, kind of turned to the dark side. And now he's, like, a dark Jedi. And that, I think, was, like, the secondary surprise. That was, was like, like, a double well, twist. Yeah, it was, like, the double twist that I just never saw coming, you know? I never saw him... I, I never thought he would betray Kel. And then, secondly, I was like, wait, what? He's a Jedi, too? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> that that did catch me off guard. I wasn't expecting that. I was like... He yeah. was the least looking Jedi Jedi I've ever seen as well. Like he just looked like Han Solo. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good he's like a bro. Like yeah, yeah. not a not some mystical warrior. Hang loose, Cal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think that was smart because you weren't expecting it. Yeah, he was like a jock with a jetpack, like flying around like like Yeah. The Rocketeer or something. Like you weren't expecting him to bust out with like Jedi powers and Right. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think of that way. But yeah. It, it kind of reminded me of Rocket Man a little bit. Or the Rocketeer. What you said, Dan. Rock, the Rocketeer, yeah. that, that Disney movie. He's got the burgundy red kind of shirt on, you know? He's just like. Bose Cole is also. It's also like a throwback to like Flash Gordon, which is what's why George Lucas created Star Wars in the first place, is because he wanted to do Flash Gordon and he couldn't get the rights. Right. So right. he made Star Wars. So it's kind of like a little nod to that, like if you're doing a deep dive. Yeah, for sure. It was uh, it was cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was too bad because he was such a likable character and ended up being a villain. But again, really a tribute to the, the writers of this game. It was it was awesome, awesome twist. Yeah, I, I personally I didn't see the, the twist coming. Like both of them, whether he was a Jedi or uh, that he was going to betray. But the only reason, okay, actually, I, I might backtrack on that because the only reason I did kind of see it coming speaking of the spoilers before I scrolled across like a YouTube thumbnail or a tweet I can't remember what it was and it was just a really close-up shot of Bode's face and the caption was why exclamation mark <laughs> I don't know like a bunch of question marks yeah. so that that was on like day three and then for the back of my mind I'm like halfway through the game I'm like is like what's up with this guy and then i'm just thinking something's gonna happen but when it actually happened i was still shocked but that i was still kind of expecting it the only other kind of reason as well i was like why did people uh put this like why did i come across this was that he kept on asking um cal about Marin, like saying oh hey like this high school kid like oh you got a crush on her like you know are you, are you gonna start a family with her you should give things up so i was thinking in my head did bode like cheat like, did, did Merit cheat on the cow with Bode or something? Like, what's going on? <laughs> so, that, that, yeah, so I was yeah. getting, I got really frustrated when that actually happened to be, and, and I saw that. And that's why I was so motivated to finish the game so quickly, was because I saw that stupid picture of his annoying face <laughs> on, 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 the, on the timeline. But yeah, I, I still, yeah. I, I thought the twist was awesome, and I, I personally didn't really see it coming. Right. Yeah. Dan's secretly smarter than all of us. 
predicting the, the game. <laughs> I, I did have one spoiler. I had a spoiler. Um, I was going through a website that was talking about Jedi's that survived the purge and what happened to them. And I saw the one, and there was a page of on Cordova, Cord- Cordova, mm-hmm. and it talked about how he dies. I'm like, okay, so he must die in this game, and at some point, Jedi's going to get attacked. But then, so I was like, okay, well, somebody must have betrayed their location. And then that kind of led <laughs> me to think, oh, it's got to be Bode. Oh, man, you, like, unraveled the entire thing just on that one So maybe, maybe that, like, finding out that he dies, like, maybe that's what, what revealed it. But Yeah, yeah. But, dude, uh, I'm sorry. That's too bad. Yeah, I know. That sucks. <laughs> and now yeah. we got to talk about Marin. Because Marin, like, I really liked her character in this game. I thought, like, I liked her interaction with Cal a lot. I liked that. Like, he was like, you know what? Maybe the Jedi was wrong on, like, I'm guessing the whole celibacy thing, like, yeah, you know, I like that he tried to explore a relationship with her. So, so Jedi, just to correct, or just to pipe on, George Lucas has officially stated Jedi do have sex regularly. Sex is not off the table for Jedi. It's relationships that are off the table. But yeah, you're you're definitely right. Okay, so they can give into needs, but they can't have an actual relationship or be married or have a family yeah that's right yeah yeah it's something they've kind of more recently established in star wars stories uh that's um very made very clear in in uh the higher public books there's definitely like two jedi who are constantly kind of going at it but like they the, the one the one of them it struggles with the attachment side and the other one doesn't so, you know, it's it's an interesting dynamic, I guess. But um what's their reasoning for it? Like is it just I, like I don't really purity know. of thought? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly. I I think I think it's about I think I think it's about like you're supposed to be committed to the to being a Jedi in the Jedi order and you can't have like attachments period. It's not just like with relationships. It's you can't be that's why they take you as a kid, right? They don't want you to ever have something that you feel jealous over or something Uh that you love or hate or some reason to have an emotional reaction to a situation that can make you turn to the dark side or something i don't know why they would have a perfect way to put it because like oh go ahead yeah yeah because worst case scenario you have sorry man like i think the worst case scenario you have what happened to anakin like he got so attached to padme and then that's what led him to the dark side and everything um, and then obviously you have other side of things where you can, you can see where it can work. Like for example, Obi-Wan and, and Satine and, and, but I mean, obviously that didn't quite work for other reasons, but from an emotional standpoint, I guess it did. But I think what this game like really was trying to play into was that there is, it's not binary. You don't, you don't have to be completely on the light side and, and not have any attachments and, and go with what the, the Jedi think is the perfect Jedi. And you obviously shouldn't completely fall to the dark side as well. But I think it's finding that balance and tapping into both sides is what really makes someone the, the, the person that they are. And I think it also kind of links up with how we left Luke off in the end of Return of the Jedi, where he obviously had to tap into the dark side in order to bring his father back and also to to become the the best version of the Jedi that there is, like someone that's not just completely one-sided and everything. So I love like how towards the end, I also think throughout all the marketing material for the game, uh, at the end, you know, in the final battle against Bode, it was like you needed to tap into the darkness just to just to 
try and have that edge. And I think also, what was that planet called? Uh, where the Empire base is, I can't, I can't remember what that planet was called. Uh, where you have to go and find Bode's um, apartment or whatever, but we oh, just tap into the dark side, but not just go over. Yeah, no. And then uh, yeah, Nova yeah. Garen, and then how yeah. Meren. Yeah, that's right. And then like how Meren was was there to bring him back if he just before he kind of pushed way too far. And I thought the way that the game explored that was like probably the best I've seen that topic explored in, in Star Wars so far. Definitely. Yeah. That was yeah. a really cool part of the game. Like, like like I said earlier, like I had thought the game was gonna end when you fought that um the one Jedi. Um what's his name? Denga Denga? Uh, oh Dagan. Yeah, yeah Dagan. I thought yeah. I, I thought that was gonna be the end of the game and then it just kept going after that and like I'm not glad it did because that the whole part on that on that um the ISB, the Imperial or it was IBS, like the whole section was really cool when he's going after um Bode and like and then you, you run into his daughter and yeah yeah no that was that was very good good story stuff yeah uh speaking of of Dagan Gara, yeah I think oh go go ahead Ben no I was just gonna I was just gonna add the the last thing to uh kind of what you were saying about um you know the the like the gray Jedi I think is the the Star Wars term for that Jedi that's neither a Jedi they're not a Sith. They're just kind of like Ahsoka's like the master of that, right? She's not a Jedi. She's completely neutral. Um, another good example would be like the Night Sisters. Um, I don't know if you guys ever read the book Dark Disciple, but um, they uh, Asajj Ventress, right? Dooku's apprentice. When she's basically when Dooku attempts to assassinate her and she's no longer like his apprentice because Sidious finds out about her and he tells Sidious to kill her. Um, she ends up like traveling with a Jedi and uh, she like th this Jedi is obviously very, he's a Jedi. He's only on the light side and she's trying to like teach him how to be a great Jedi. And of course, once he starts getting a taste of the dark side, he kind of just dives head first. And she's like, no, no, no. Like you can't do that. Like that's bad. <laughs> like you have mm -hmm. to just like a little bit here, a little bit there, like find, like just, just set on, you know, sit in the balance. And yeah. So I think, I think uh, this game kind of did a good job honoring that sort of thing. Uh, and then I think the final thing that, you know, you can add to that comment where, yeah, you know, they're not supposed to have a relationship and this is kind of talking a little bit about, well, maybe the Jedi didn't have it all right. Uh, Cal says the Jedi order is finished, right? Or, or something along those lines. And so it's kind of just an affirmation that like the Jedi are no more, like I'm part of a dead religion. Like I should probably look to continue my life with like the next thing. And so that, like he says that right before kissing Marin. So, yeah. 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 It was an interesting uh, kind of look, you know, close, closely at the relationship of, of Cal and, and, and Marin, you know, uh, because I think, I feel like we all kind of felt it budding in the first game, uh, but kind of to see it come to fruition in this one was like just really nice. Uh, but because, uh, you know, I feel like we're all rooting for it to happen. But, uh, but yeah, like it, it's difficult for Cal because he wants to, he wants to, uh, not only kind of take out his his vengeance on on uh, the empire, but he also wants to do what he can to, uh, I guess, be the best Jedi he can be. 
And uh, I think it's Seer who actually tells them, you know, there's nothing that like, wasn't it Seer who told, told them there's nothing we can do in our lifetime that can, you know, maybe restore the order fully to what it was before. But like what we do now is like a seed for later or something. And um, so I think he just goes like, all right, screw it. Like, <laughs> and then he's like, I'll just live the way I want. Um, but yeah, Marin, uh, we said we got a lot more of her in this game and, uh, you know, she is one of the last of her kind, uh, since the night sisters were mostly all wiped out, uh, when, uh, Grievous came in to, to, um, Dathomir and, and destroyed, uh, most of their home and, and all of her sisters and, and everything like that during the Clone Wars. And, uh, that was a really cool kind of, uh, in the first game as well, I remember it being that just a really cool Easter egg. Um, but it was nice to see her kind of continue to struggle with that loss of her family, just in the same way that Cal struggles with the loss of his family and the life that he's always ever known. Um, so they have a lot in common and, uh, that was definitely a focus point for those characters. Uh, Dagan Gira, who we were just talking about, uh, is a surviving Jedi from the High Republic era who was preserved for many hundreds of years in a Bacta tank. And it was super cool uh, to kind of see something like that in Star Wars because it felt very science fiction to me. And, uh, you know, when he gets rescued by Cal and pops out, uh, you know, he instantly kind of like goes back to his plans of... Uh, doing what he did, he was doing before, which was uh, basically just acting as a dark Jedi would, and proceeding with uh, kind of how they feel things need to be. So right away we get him trying to essentially trying to bleed his lightsaber crystal, and that was really cool to see. Um, he doesn't really successfully do it though, because he only managed to make an orange blade as opposed to a red blade, which is what the Sith would do. Um, but did any of you guys kind of enjoy seeing that unfold on screen? You know, we've only had very bits and pieces of, of this sort of act within the force, kind of in the Darth Vader comic book series. But, um, you know, to, to, to everyone, this was kind of a first time on screen appearance. Um, what did you guys think of that? Maybe, uh, let me start with you, uh, Dan. I thought it was really cool. Like, yeah, it's just nice seeing it like actually happening and, and he was a cool character, like, yeah. He wasn't like, like just like uh, Ravis, like you know, he's, yeah, what he was doing was bad, but like he felt like he had a reason for doing it, and he just wanted, he was just in love with Tantalor and wanted that to be like a place where, like, he thought like the Jedi could live, and it's like he, he understood his motivations, but even though like they're flawed, and yeah, he was a good villain. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Seer Junda was a focused character, uh, very powerful, of course, making her return again. And, uh, this game it's revealed that she is, uh, helping forge, uh, the path or the hidden path, you know, the path that the one that is mentioned in Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is a, uh, kind of an, uh, an underground for force users, force sensitive people and Jedi to, um, essentially kind of, uh, escape the empire and, and find freedom. So um, it was really cool to kind of see that kind of be the crossover being the same year that Obi-Wan Kenobi takes place. Like it was cool that that was the crossover point. Um, and also, I mean, you know, we saw her die in this game as well. Uh, but we also got to play as here. And that was super cool because like she is wicked powerful. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed the brief moment that I got to play as here. But uh, did anyone have anything to say on that? 
Yeah, that moment I thought that I I lost, like because you cut from uh, Cal like fighting Bo for the first time, and I wasn't uh, like I think I got like a few hits in with Bo, and then he and then he killed me. Then said he had to respawn, and then as soon as I started playing for Sia for like, good, like maybe twenty minutes or so, it was. I was like, "What on earth has happened to Cal? Like, did he die? Like, I was, uh, I wasn't, too, I wasn't too sure." Um, but I thought that um, that whole sequence really reminded me of like the Battle of Geonosis in Episode Two, when it's like really dark and the sandstorm is kind of like really kicking in. Uh, I thought it was a really cool moment, and especially with the the cameo fight at the end of it, and then Cal's reaction to her death, I thought was just like absolute, absolute cinema, as Scorsese would say. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I thought the same thing. When it said, like, respawn, I'm like, oh, crap, I died? Like, I didn't know I was supposed to be hitting the button or something, fighting, like, and then suddenly you're playing a seer, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Cool way to, like, see a different perspective. And, yeah, that I wasn't expecting Darth Vader to show up. Like, there's that cool sequence where she's rolling giant, like, spears down the hillside to, to blow up, like, um, AT-ATs attacking the base and stuff, like, I was I was kind of bummed about like I thought I was hoping that the hidden path would survive and like they'd establish a base on Tanalor, so like seeing it all kind of get destroyed, I was like, okay, they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that whole sequence completely like changed the tone and the trajectory of the game, because I I fully agree. I was like, okay, this is what becomes of the hidden path, man. Like a secret Jedi temple on Tanalor what a cool opportunity for a story or, you know, like, you know, maybe they'll use this for like Ray's movie coming forward. And then, yeah, like it all just goes to pot. And I was like, well, there you go. There's my answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We went from quite a hopeful story to like yeah. darkness. Like it, it, it didn't, it didn't like the positivity didn't really pick up from then. Like it, it went, yeah, we're pretty hopeful. And then, it all kind of went to crap from there. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's a great point though. And that's yeah. like kind of like, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a solid thing to stick to too, because this game is really the core and the very, you know, rock bottom of the dark times period. So it's almost like this game is supposed to kind of almost uh, emanate the idea that um, hope just doesn't exist anymore, you know, for a lot of the, the characters in the story. Uh, so you see, you know, betrayal and, and death and, you know, just everything. Everything's falling apart. Everything's unraveling. You know, you get, you kick the, in, you start this game with the the characters all split up because of something that, you know, that happened. And obviously it kind of goes into more detail in the novel. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a dark period for all these characters. Yeah. There, there is one thing I'll give the game credit for, though. It's so common in Star Wars but other franchises too, right? You have the original story, but then you just, you kind of backtrack a little bit, right? So they're like, okay, well, not all the Jedi died. You know, we still want to tell more stories with Jedi after. Oh, Palpatine's not dead. You know, he came back, what, three times in in the uh, Legends, and then he came back in the sequels. Like, they they just, you know, you want to continue to, like, squeeze as much story out of what should have already been established as the story and it felt a little bit like this game was going to do it and then they reveal no joke like we're sticking to the original script like Mm -hmm. we're making it look like oh yeah there's a secret base but no the original story is the jedi were annihilated and 
oh, congratulations. They tried to restart. They were annihilated. And I was like, I got to give it to them. They, they didn't destroy the lore. Like they didn't back, they didn't go back on canon. So right. I, I did appreciate that about this. I liked how it continued the, so Darth Vader is another character that showed up and uh, kills Seer. And you know, that's a continuation of events that I never thought that we would get in this game. But uh, Seer and Vader fought in the first game. And uh, you know, this was uh, kind of a point of tension because that's where the moment where Seer almost gives into the dark side too. And uh, Vader, you know, kind of recognizes that when he faces her again. Uh, so it was very cool to kind of get the return of uh, of uh, Vader in in the game. And I feel like his presence in any game in which takes place while he's alive is kind of it's always cool to have him in there. It's just got to be used just right. And I'm curious if any of you guys felt as if like, was this a good appearance of Vader you know, did the game deserve this, uh, or or was it an, a, an appearance you could have gone without? I mean, I I loved it. I I actually think they did a better job of him in the first game, but it was great. Like the first game, it was you know you're still figuring out your powers. Sears cut herself off from the Force. You finally kill a couple of the, or you know, you kill one of the. Um, um, drawing a mind blank here. The uh, how about Josh? Inquisitors? Oh, thank you, thank you, Inquisitors. Yes, the word I'm looking for. Uh, and so you're starting to think like, man, this guy's actually like becoming you know a decently powerful Jedi. And then Vader shows up, and Sears like run, and he's like, why? And she's and basically like when she attacks Vader, he just throws her aside like she's a doll, and it, it hits you like, no, I'm just a baby. Like Vader is so much more powerful than me. So it was just cool to like. You know, there's a reason he's the Dark Lord of the Sith. And then in this game, Seer gave him a run for his money, which was cool. Like, it was it was cool to see he was not invincible, but it definitely, like, it didn't feel consistent with how they portrayed Vader in the first game. Mm. But anyways, that's my thought. Yeah. I thought it was a cool sequence. It was cool seeing him, like, half on fire, like, just visually and stuff like his cape is all burning and and then like that moment when seer like does her final like attack against him and like he realized the light her lightsaber went right in between his like between his arm and his side and she just missed by like an inch whereas his lightsaber went right through her it was just like oh damn so close yeah yeah it reminded me of that old republic yeah, trailer could have all been over do you guys watch those those trailers? The the old yeah, the old Republic good. trailer. Do you remind you of that one? Like uh, the the deceived trailer when yeah. uh, the 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 Jedi at the very end of that trailer like dies, but it's like a very similar move where they they both go to stab each other in the stomach and one of them gets there faster than the other. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, I love those trailers. Those are so good. They're so good. Yeah, th- th- those 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 are the Star Wars movies we deserve. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a. Uh... But Vader's health bar to me, it wasn't really like his health bar when you were attacking him. It was just like his patience meter. As it just goes down, he was just more frustrated. Yeah, <laughs> like you weren't really doing much damage to him. Right. That's so good. And it's true because you know you're not going to kill him. And so you're wondering what you're building up towards. <laughs> yeah. So that's such a good way to describe it. Yeah. I think with the first game, I totally did not expect Vader to show up. So like at the end, I'm like, as soon as I hear him breathing, I'm like, no way. Well, like, I remember when playing that for the first time, 
but but this game i was almost like oh when are we going to see a big cameo type of thing so when he did show up i was like oh no way and then as i started fighting him and everything i'm like oh was this completely necessary but i think the payoff was huge like especially when he killed sia and i loved how they didn't do like a, a chewy in episode nine like where he just came back and and they were really committing to to kill off the the character and like that was just off the off the the heels of cordova dying when when Bode killed him so i thought like the game went to some pretty dark places and was willing to stay that way and uh yeah vader uh vader definitely um uh vader definitely brought down seer in a way that i thought was uh which kind of brought up uh, how cal did Cal actually hold Seer in her in his arms, or was that like kind of like a force connection thing? I, I couldn't quite pick up. It, it was. Great. I had to look it up. It was a force connection thing. He wasn't actually there. He was doing the. For forgot what you call the ability. Yeah, and he um, just felt it, and then like yeah. similar to how like when Luke and Leia in Episode Five could kind of like, or maybe more so when Kylo like had the water on his hand. I guess in Episode Eight. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah, there was uh, there was one more kind of a, a character appearance which I, I didn't personally get to see only because I breezed past a lot of side story stuff in order to finish this uh, story mode uh, before I uh, took three weeks off and left my computer behind. Uh, but Boba Fett shows up and it's a very brief cameo, but uh, it was enough for the elite bounty hunter to take a spot on this list. And uh, he is actually, in fact, hunting a character in the game called Cage, uh, who is a, um, uh, I forget the, uh, a Nautilin, I think, uh, same species as uh, uh, Kit Fisto. So uh, did any of you guys... Oh, what? Wait, uh, fits in the game? Yeah. I totally missed that as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm actually all the side stuff now, and I haven't gotten to that part yet. I did not know. You just spoiled it for me. Oh, dang. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, no, it's cool. <laughs> Well, that's no, and I have something to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was interesting because I was like, I guess it's a super like brief appearance, which is like after you do all of the bounty hunter stuff. So I don't know. Yeah, if... I was about to say, is that is that what the bounty hunter thing was? Because I looked at that. I'm like, yeah, look, this is going to take me away from the main game. So I'm just going to skip that for now. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the reason why I didn't yeah. do it either. Yeah, because I was like, okay, this is going to take me like an additional like 12 hours at, at least. So... Or something like that. I, I do. Yeah, I do recommend if you want to keep playing the game. It's kind of cool. It's it's just like um, what happened with God of War Two Ragnarok. If or God of War Ragnarok, once you beat the game, all the side stuff still tells you story stuff. So as you as you're completing the side missions, you're still like trying to bring people to Tantalor, and there's like little things that like keep the story going, which is kind of cool. Oh, yeah, that nice. is cool. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't expecting that. Like, you can go back and you, you can, you're still talking to uh, Bode's daughter. I think it's Kata, Kana. Mm -hmm. um, and, like, and yeah, they still have story stuff going. Like, you know, nothing major, but it's still enough to, like, oh, this is kind of neat to, to finish it out. Yeah. yeah. That actually reminds me, speaking of, um, speaking of Kata, I thought the way the story handled Cal giving Bode the choice in front of his daughter... Because that that could have really messed up the daughter's mind if like Cal just came back and then and, and 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 killed her father like that could open up a whole can of worms of her being really angry. But like they gave him the decision in front of his daughter on multiple occasions, and I think they played it really well where the daughter kind of understood but was still upset that his dad that her dad had to go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no kid. 
He's got. Yeah, and go. he even like endangered her a few times. Like, like he threw her backwards and like. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, I guess they really wanted to make definitely a point. not out of the year. I think they really wanted to make a point of like, kind of, I don't know, making his death not so, I don't know, uh, unnecessary. You know, he's like a father of a child, right? Like, I think they really wanted to play up like, okay, this dude is a villain. He's not going back, right? It's like, I, I think if they killed yeah. just, like a father of a young child and stuff without giving enough reasons why, like there would have maybe been some angry fans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious what his master plan was. Like him and his daughter were going to live on this whole planet by themselves. Like how, how is that going to be fulfilling for her? Yeah. yeah. She'd be safe. Well, it, be so boring. I think the, I think they offered him a pretty good deal. It's like, Hey, you know, you're fine to yeah. chill here. Just like, let us bring some other people here. And he's like, no, <laughs> he's we'll just, build a civilization. Like we can all live here peacefully. Yeah. And he's just had a huge I'm fit of that. that. It's like, Oh my goodness. What feel, a selfish dude. I feel, uh, I know. I, I feel like that's what that example was just because he leaned way too far into the dark side, um, that yeah. that's what he thought was the best way to do it. He was very selfish. Yeah. But if he kind of hadn't gone that far, like he wouldn't have had those views. But yeah, it was so stupid. I'm like, man, just take <laughs> take my hand and let's go. Let's let's join yeah. join this rebellion that we got going. Let's all have, live a happy life on Tanalore, and then the next game can be like The Sims, but just you know, building a civilization on Tanalore. But no, he had to be a real douche. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Anybody else see a missed opportunity for the daughter to be like Mara Jade or something? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's a good it's point. Like, actually, that is a force sensitive child. Would the age work out? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah you know it, what? It, it could. Would. Yeah, because like Luke, and, Luke and is like ten in Obi Wan Kenobi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, the age would work. And she, she's clearly like, if she ends up being force sensitive, which she probably is being the daughter of a Jedi, she's going to get trained by Cal and Marin. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if I think what made me think of this was, uh, your point on if they'd had him killed without justification or without a whole bunch of builds up in front of his daughter, like you could have done a whole story off that, right? The daughter grows up chained in the Jedi arts. She's kind of messed up though from watching her dad killed. She's not really sure why he was killed. And then she leaves Tantalor, goes on her own, you know, soul searching mission, maybe flirts with the dark side and mm -hmm. uh, one day meets Luke. I don't know. Yeah. yeah true. I, don't know. I, I feel like they, um, with Tantalor, I feel like they ended it that way as in like they, nothing kind of worked out. They, they found Tantalor, but nothing worked out because I guess if you think about it, Luke, there's no references in, obviously didn't exist in the original trilogy, but there's just not, not many references to Tantalor and this whole new place where the Jedi existed. So I guess it would have been harder to explain that, but I guess we'll see in the in the third game. Is, is there a third game that they're planning? Uh, yeah, yeah. They they said that when they they wrote it as a trilogy. Yeah, the third game is kind of sort of on the way. I guess I don't know if they've started pre production just yet. Though I think they're still kind of neck deep in doing bug fixes and stuff on this one. But uh, yeah, the the plan mm. is to do a trilogy, and hopefully it comes through. Unlike the Force Unleashed, where we got gypped with only two out of three games. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I 
Yeah. I, like I think this ending. one's done well enough that they'll do a third. Oh, yeah. It's, it's made yeah. money. Definitely. Yeah. Sorry, what was that, Kurt? Yeah, this ending was very reminiscent of Empire Strikes Back. I feel it was that tone. It was very, yeah. very dark. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there was a lot of good elements about this game, you know, story, character development. Uh, the book tie-in was a perk, uh, much like the first one, which had the comic tie-in. Uh, the opening was fantastic. You know, Coruscant is a playable planet. That was really cool. Uh, the High Republic tie-in as well with that story and uh, Dagon as a, as a character. The playable planets, the, the open world aspect of this game compared to the last one was, was a, a huge plus on uh, Kobo really utilized the open world aspect. Uh, with lots of side stuff there and a huge map to explore. The playability of Seer. I mean, there's so much uh, to like about this game. Was there anything you guys didn't like about this game before we kind of close off? Absolutely. I hated the parts where you had to grab bats and just glide across stuff. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, yeah. I've been playing Tears of the King, uh, Zelda, Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom at the same time. And in that game, you can just glide off of anything and go anywhere. And I get that this isn't that kind of game. It's not that open of a world. But it just felt weird that on all these random cliff sides where these bats just waiting for you to grab their feet and just start gliding across stuff. Mm. Yeah. That kind of ticked me out of the game a little bit for those parts. Um, right, just because it feels so and then, uh, forced. I that, yeah, and I hated... I hated not being able to save at any time. Like sometimes I'm playing a game at lunchtime and I have to go back to work and I'm like, I just want to save and to like, you know, turn off my PlayStation and go on with life. And I'm like, Oh crap. I got to find a meditation point now in order to, yeah. to save so I can just shut this off. Right. Yeah. And then you can go down a rabbit hole too. Cause you're like looking for a save point and then you hit a cut scene and then it like launches you into the next part of the story. And, you yeah, know, it just kind of goes on from there. I, I'd agree with you on that. Um, you know, definitely the saving issue was like a big deal for me. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I felt the combat was a little laggy as well. Just kind of like the first one. I just, you know, I know it's supposed to be pretty cin cinematic. So like the the timing of kind of when you, you hit the attack and defend buttons have all got to be so precise. Uh, but I felt like... You know, when I was uh, going in for an attack and then kind of corrected my button pick and, and hit the defense instead, all in the in the, the half second that it takes for an enemy to attack me, uh, it just wouldn't work. Like whatever you put in first, like that that sticks until your character animation is over. Right. So I just felt like unlike the Batman games or like the Spider-Man games where like the reaction time is so much faster on the character's behalf. Um, you know, they went with a very kind of not comic booky, more realistic look. And so that I can appreciate, but, uh, I just felt like it made it kind of overly challenging, uh, when fighting even like the, the lowliest of villains and, you know, made me feel quite incompetent <laughs> at times. <laughs> so I don't know. Am I, maybe I'm alone on that, but, uh, um, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It, it, didn't have the fluidity of the Spider-Man or the Arkham City, Arkham Knight games. Right. Where you just, like, bash on the buttons and you just felt like you're just destroying people. Here, it's like, you had to be very precise with the pairing, like, getting timing right. And that's that's where I found going into story mode helped a lot because you had way more time to block and parry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. You guys are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a Last of Us Tomb Raider 
Uncharted fan. Uh, I, I much prefer that cinematic experience. And so for me, the like and, and in all those games, like as soon as you commit to an attack, like, you know, in Last of Us, like the second one, right? You know, you're you're this like little girl or young young girl who's she's not big, she's not strong. So in order to like make a killing blow, she's gotta swing this like pickaxe hard. And if you swing and somebody else starts swinging or takes a shot at you, like you've committed to that swing. And so for me, this this Jedi Fallen uh, or Jedi Survivor um, combat system, uh, I, I thought it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. It was punishing if you were lazy as a fighter, and it was rewarding if you like were patient. So I don't know. But yeah, it's, it, I get it. It's not for everyone. It's certainly it's certainly <laughs> yeah. designed with intention. That 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 much is clear. Yeah. Yeah, Kirk, what do you what do you feel like? Uh, what, I, I what did you not like it, about this game. Yeah, I enjoyed most aspects of the game. I, I wouldn't have anything to comment on with the story. Like, I love pretty much every moment of it. Uh, although, like, I was definitely a Marin and Cal fan person because I wanted to see more of that. But we got a lot of it, which was good. Yeah. Um, in terms of gameplay, I utilized the dual saber and then the cross guard saber. So definitely, like, what um. Uh, ben just mentioned in terms of like if i swung too early with the cross guard saber it would take forever to to you know uh, to re uh, regain the the power to swing it back and that was like you know either rewarding or like punishing if if you did it wrong and i i quite enjoyed that i had quite a few crashes on the xbox as particularly going back to that save point i think dan mentioned like like i lost a bit of progress sometimes because the game just full-on crashed well after i found a save point uh so that was kind of frustrating um and i guess other little bugs like the um uh i found when i was re-watching some other people's cinematics like the when it, the, those cutscenes, i found that i thought those were they looked a lot higher quality like almost like a movie and quite realistic but i was playing on a on, on the Xbox in, in 4K, the, the, the highest version that you could. I felt like my graphics looked very kind of reminiscent of like PlayStation 3 slash PlayStation 4 graphics where like the characters didn't look as real. So that kind of took me out of it a little bit and wish I had, I kind of wish I, I had the, the better graphics. Maybe if I played on the PS5, it would have been better. But apart from that, like the only gameplay issue i had was that really weird double jump where you kind of like jumped off a wall to the outside and then you kind of jump back in i just thought that that like defied physics like i didn't <laughs> i didn't quite get how that worked and it was really weird every time i did that you know that Phil yeah, feels you know too that mario for you, you kind of yeah. jumped backwards yeah, yeah 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 it was so strange uh, i don't know if any if you guys felt that but yeah you jumped off the wall and then forward i was just like how does that work yeah it's kind of kind of video gamey yeah yeah I, th I think that's kind of where, what kind of makes and breaks it for me a little bit too, is like they'll do stuff that might be like super kind of realistic, you know, like, like the way that he moves when he's fighting. But then, you know, as soon as he starts jumping off walls and stuff, you're like, okay, he's not Yoda. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah, but I, I'm nitpicking. I'm very much so nitpicking. Like these aren't big issues. I still love the game. It was yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, if you guys, like, I don't know if you have this scheduled, Josh, but did you want to talk about, because I know we only touched up on it, but did you want to go into depth about the, the different experience? Because there's only three ways to play this. You can play it on PC, Xbox, or right. PlayStation. Like, there's no Switch version or whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I did forget to ask how it was, like, you know, the, 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 the positives of, of each platform. 
so me me personally with with PC platform, I mean uh, I do have the option of playing with any controller I want, including uh, you know keyboard and mouse. Um, I uh, used the Xbox One controller at my disposal. You know that's the one I you know it's my controller of choice. The one I use with just about any game that might uh, better be used with a controller. Uh, I also played Hogwarts Legacy on that one as well. And, uh, you know, it's a controller. It's pretty straightforward. It's nothing, nothing fancy like the, P- the PlayStation controller. But, um, you know, it was, uh, it was all right. I, I got to say, like, you know, the, the PC port, I think, is the worst out of all the experiences, though. So my, con- my experience, I think, compared to the rest of you guys was rougher than it needed to be. Um, but, yeah, how was... Uh, yeah. Uh, if, sorry. If I were just to ask you though, you even though yeah, the port wasn't great, you were able to play because you have an RTX forty eighty, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was able to play it. Um, yeah. You know, it's literally just the software I, I mean, port. Yeah, it, nothing to do with the hardware at all. Um, I, I mean, the game looks more, amazing. Like the 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 uncapped frame rate that I have was 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 like you know looked unbelievable up until the point where I saw my desktop wallpaper again. So, <laughs> so that, that's what I was going to ask. Like, like <laughs> obviously, even though it was better optimized for consoles, you could play it at a higher graphic setting. So, you know, so, uh, kind of like what was mentioned, the graphics, um, you right. know, obviously aren't going to be as high on a console. How did you find the graphics on the PC? Like when it was running, when you had cranked it, you know, right up to max, h- how did it look? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of unreal. Like, you know, you, you look at a game like this, this kind of design for next gen and then some, you know, when you're playing on the PC and it's just like, it is so unbelievably crisp. And uh, admittedly, I played most of the game on like a standard with, with all this crazy hardware and I um, played it uh, on a 1080p monitor, but uh, I relaunched it again on my new ultra wide, you know, Samsung G9, you know, beyond the 4K resolution sort of thing. And it was unbelievable like it just looks picture perfect everything is as if you were to like take a picture in this universe and you know especially with the right lighting effects and stuff and this game does have a picture mode because that's becoming like a really popular thing to have in a lot of games nowadays um so it was really cool i played around with that and uh it was on it was crazy like i was able to get some unbelievable shots and uh you know, you can you can change the lighting effects and you know all these all this sort of thing, and it's it's uh, it, it's really really cool. So um, yeah, I, I had a really nice time. Kind of you know, it was like eye candy, like looking at the game and the most to date, the most realistic looking Star Wars game that we have. Um, and Battlefront Two is an old game. That game still looks freaking amazing. Like for the fact that it's like five years old already, but. Uh, but yeah, this one just kind of takes it to the next level, um, definitely, uh, literally. And uh, you know, I hope I can play it again without all the crashes. Yeah, I really like that it was made for next generation. The Fallen Order I felt like was kind of handicapped a little bit because they designed it to work on the PS4 and the and the earlier Xbox. Um, whereas this one was, I think he said it was designed for the PS5. Like, yeah, I yeah. made yeah, so- it really nice. I liked on the PS5. Oh, good. Yo, you, you. So you and Ben, you get you guys play on PS Five. So you had all the the fancy like controller mechanics that utilize all the, you know, all the crazy stuff on that. Like how was how was using that? That part was really cool. The controller, like anytime you go to the map screen, like your controller emitted like these little droid sounds and stuff. Like it was that, and having the haptic feedback on the controller was cool. Um, I don't. How was the Xbox experience? 
Yeah, it was mostly pretty good. I, I just feel that um, th there were some elements. I, I played the whole game on the performance mode apart from uh, uh, some sections, like some major story sections. I, I could feel a cutscene was coming on. I, I quickly switched to 4K, but like, uh, or the, the non-optimized performance version. But yeah, th there were definitely some moments where I had some some lag, drop frames and um, uh, crashes. Like the crashes were the most annoying part. But overall, it wasn't too bad. I am someone that also played Cyberpunk on the very first launch day. Oh, and that, that was a lot more of a dodgy experience uh, compared, <laughs> to, compared to this one. And uh, I, I feel like it wasn't, it wasn't bad enough to take me out of the game. And I played the whole thing within the first week before I think any major updates came out. And uh, yeah, definitely don't regret it at all. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, no, I was, I was curious what it was like on the, the Series X because, yeah, like, obviously the Series X, even though it wasn't optimized for it, it is a more powerful console. Um, yeah, if I, I, I would just chip in kind of what Dan was saying with the PS5. The haptic feedback on the controller was fantastic. The The biggest thing with the, with the haptic feedback, and this is why, like, if a game supports haptic feedback, I will usually get it for PlayStation 5 before I get the others because... It, it's just it's one thing when you're looking at it you you know you can feel the rumble in your controller and you can play the game like it's fine it's great it's a wonderful experience but when you're trying to you know in some games draw a bow or you know you're um i guess in this case the game you made it took advantage of the force like if the character didn't grab something with the force i felt it before i saw it like right. i could feel the controller just collapse like the, the trigger collapse oh, when damn. he missed it yeah and whereas if he grabbed it it resisted like right away so you felt like you could almost play the game better because the controller and the the, the haptic feedbacks were interacting as your character interacted with his environment so i i have to say if you can play it on the ps5 you should play it on the ps5 because it added this like extra dimension to the game experience well, time for me to throw out my Xbox and uh, Josh, you're going to ditch that gaming PC of, uh, of yours because uh, they're just paperweights at this point. But I just <laughs> I, bought it. <laughs> I definitely did not experience those those haptics. Yeah. yeah I, no, I, I definitely didn't experience that level of haptics and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I hope that they, awesome. uh, they bring to the PlayStation port games that, they, that they're that bringing to PC. But I don't know if we'll ever see that happen because, you know, they got to keep some things console exclusive. That'd be, right? that'd be cool. Yeah, they got it. They well, got I, I wish that you got the haptic feedbacks. Yeah, I, I, I wish you got haptic feedback on a PS5 controller, Bluetooth to a PC. That would be cool. Yeah, it would be neat. I don't know if they would ever do it though, just because like you know they got to keep the PS5 kind of like you know relevant, I guess, to buy. You know, that's an experience yeah. that you can only get on PS5. But Kirk, I know you got to go. Uh, real quick, uh, Pablo points and Pudus. Uh, I'll explain the system after when Ben and Dan give theirs, but just so we can exit you out real quick, because I know you got to head out. Uh, what would you rate this game? Um, I think for off memory, uh, Pudu's was bad and Pablo's was good. Is yep. that right? And yep. then it's three and three. Yeah. So for me, I think I will give this a 2.9. 2.9 all right sweet <laughs> if, if i if i can even do that you can do I'll, whatever honestly, you want like, man. i'll give it i'll give it <laughs> hell yeah i'll honestly i'll give it a three i absolutely love this game despite the slight flaws and everything i am really looking forward to playing it again i think it was one of the best star wars stories i've experienced in the last 
um, oh God, however many years it's been. Um, and I'm really looking forward to the third one, but I'm also very satisfied with how this one ended up. And lastly, I honestly think that Cal Kestis is one of the best written characters uh, in, in Star Wars, period. I, I feel that that's for me at least. Hands I don't down. know how everyone else feels, but uh, yeah, yep. I am so so much forward, uh, looking forward to what comes next for this character. And I don't know if I want to see him in a live action thing, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to what comes next. Awesome. Thanks for joining up, buddy. We'll, we'll, we'll catch you again uh, real soon. Thanks. Great, Thank you. great meeting you. Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Cheers. All right. See you, buddy. Okay. Um, ben, uh, Pablo Points and Pudu. So, uh, uh, and Dan, of course. Uh, I think both of you guys have done this before. Uh, you know, for everyone out there who, who doesn't know what this system is, it's a rating system that we kind of developed uh, on the podcast for the sake of just cracking a few jokes, but also to uh, actually award some, you know, some points when, uh, when they're deserved. Uh, so here, here's the scale. It's uh, three Pablo Pudus uh, is the absolute worst. Moving up from there, you got two Pablo Pudus, one Pablo Pudu. 50% is a Bendu. And then you get Pablo points. You get one Pablo point, two Pablo points, three Pablo points, three being the absolute best, 110%, A plus sort of thing. Um, you know, one is one Pablo point is, you know, it's pretty good. Uh, you know, two is even better. That's, that's just g- great Star Wars. Uh, three is like used in a rarity uh, f- to describe like your absolute favorite of favorites. So um, that being said, uh, Ben, we'll go with you first. Uh, what would you give this? Uh, I would give this to Pablo. Two Pablo points. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Just curious. Yeah, it was, it Just was curious. Cr- what would be a three for you? Um, it- the, the, the story was a three. Uh, and I'd say the gameplay was maybe like a one and a half. Oh, interesting. Uh, the gameplay was great. Uh, yeah. yeah, I fully agree that like the bat thing was kind of dumb. Um, like I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Um, and I, I did think that, uh, I don't know. I, I, I it was good. Like this, this, the 1.5 is still a good score, right? If we're looking at this as a rating out of seven, uh, to say that it's a 5.5 out of seven, that's still a high rating. Um, I, I, I don't know. I just, I think that the puzzles maybe could have been a little bit better. Uh, I, I did not like Seer throwing these like rocks down cliffs to defend a temple against like tanks. Like I thought that was dumb. So there was just a few like gameplay things that I was that I that I just I thought made it feel like everything about it felt like a cinematic experience. And then they just chucked in a couple of random things that were like, well, okay, you know, <laughs> that's All cool. Right. Uh, so so yeah, I, I I give it a two. The story was a three. Most of the game was a two or a three. There were a few things that dragged it down. So I think I, I'll give it a two as my, my kind of total right. score. Fair enough. And uh, Dan, what would you give? How many Pablo points or Pudus? I think I agree, agree with Ben. I'd give it a two. Um, story-wise, three. Uh, it vastly improved on the first game. The first game I found Cal to be kind of annoying at times. And in this one, I didn't find him annoying at all. Like, I really bought into his character development. Um, I really liked the path he took. Uh, and gameplay-wise, like, yeah, 1.5. Like, at times it was really good. Some of the puzzles I really enjoyed. Um, 
there's the battle where Mirren's teleporting you around and you're fighting this giant like bulldozer thing. I thought that was really cool and I wanted more of that in the game and it was only really that and then a little bit during his fight with uh with the Jedi. Um but yeah, it's like I I was really frustrated at the beginning of the game because like you get to parts and you're like, Oh, I wanna solve these puzzles, I wanna do this stuff, and it's like, Oh, I don't have that ability yet and it's like not until way later in the game that you get like certain abilities to like unlock new doorways or be able to go through like the energy fields and stuff. And they don't tell you that right off the bat. So I wasted a lot of time trying to like find these things in rooms. I couldn't, I was never supposed to get into until the later half of the game. Mm. But gotcha. So with that said, still didn't ruin the game for me. Like I, it was, it was a good Star Wars game. It's, and I'm happy to see where they do with the third one. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, I, uh, so I would probably give I would probably give the story like you know a two point two point seven five something in there. Uh, gameplay for me was probably one Pablo point. Uh, I mean, at least on the PC platform, I think the uh, all the negative all the negativity I experienced kind of took away. I think from from my experience, but uh, but overall, you know, a pretty good game. And uh, I would say, you know, I, I, if you kind of average that score out, I think it lands, you know, around the the uh, the two Pablo point mark, I guess. Uh, so uh, you know, it's it's it was good. It was good. Uh, Metacritic gave this uh, seventy eight out of hundred on PC. 85 out of 100 on PS5 and an 84 out of 100 on Xbox Series X and S. Uh, there's a whole bunch of other reviews you can find online. IGN uh, gave this a 9 out of 10. That's a pretty notable company right there. And uh, Games Radar Plus gave this, uh, what is that, four four and a half out of 5 stars. So GameSpot, 8 out of 10. So I think, you know, everyone's pretty much on the same page. It's like near perfect, uh, but there's still some room to improve and uh, all things considered with the rough launch that it had, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's pretty good. So, uh, thank you both Ben, Dan, and of course, Kirk, we already left. Uh, but, uh, thank you guys for coming back on and, uh, chatting star Wars Jedi survivor. Um, hopefully we'll, we'll see you guys back again very soon. Ahsoka's around the corner. So maybe we'll catch you guys on one of those or maybe another group uh, episode that we got going on. So, but yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us, and I gotta say, I'm super excited about Star Wars Outlaws. That game looks pretty good. Oh, me yeah. too. Definitely. Yeah, we'll do Thank another you, one of these. Yeah. We'll do another one of these for that. <laughs> that sounds good. And you need to give us a little bit more time to finish that game. Ubisoft doesn't make short games. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, see you guys. See ya. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for tuning into the podcast as you always do. And remember, drop five stars on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If that's where you listen, hit that subscribe button. And you can also find us on YouTube now as well with the handle at SW Escape Podcast in the search bar. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well with the same handle at SW Escape Podcast. All links and handles are in the description below. And you can send a voicemail to our email, Podcast at gmail.com. We will catch you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod. And may the Force be with you. <laughs>